Welcome to the Wednesday night weekly shear. Shears each week. This is Chus Aliza Shlamis Bracha Bas Rachel Hinda for the Fuish Shalema Kreva. She has a long life and happiness and joy and see much nachas from her children, Ritzchem. This week is Pasha Mishpatim. Shabbos Mavarchim Chedish Adar. Pasha Shkolim. And of course, as we know, today was a day of reflection. Chav Bey Shvat. need, of course, to find the connection. If we say this Pashash Mishpatim, let's say Pashash Mishpatim, Shabbash Golem, Varchim Truma, and they're all intertwined, and then obviously the Torah must find a connection between the three of them but more importantly a connection between the three of them that is a lesson to us is Teda Lashon Heida Teda is a Lashon of a lesson and therefore we need to learn constantly from everything we hear everything we see as the Baal Shem said So we need to therefore find the connection directly between Mishpatim, Shkolim, Mevarchim Chedesh, Adar Chav Shvat, as we sit tonight and reflect on each and every one of them. Veila Mishpatim Ashetasim Lefnehem, says the Teda. These are the Mishpatim that one should put before oneself. But not before oneself, Lefnehem, before them. For them referring, of course, to each and every one of the Jewish nation. But Rashi, who's the champion of the Mechamesh, the Mikra, Rashi, who explains the simple explanation of a Pasuk, says, Lifneihem, in front of them, Velei Lifnei Akum, not in front of the non Jewish courts. Even if you are sure and positive that they have the same din, they will come up with the same judgment as does the Jewish din. The fact that one went to ask and received this verdict from the non-Jewish courts it's not acceptable although the Rebbe asks it's the same law 
the same halacha is put down. You'll find a lot of Yungalite that learned Mesechta Sanhedrin would then like to turn to become lawyers because they feel that they have the gist of the law. What therefore, says the Rebbe, is the difference that we cannot accept, we cannot wrap our minds around, shall we say, the concept of a non-Jewish court, Paskening Adin. Chazal tell us, the Yamada for those keeping score at home, it's Mesech the Shabbos, Kufheyam at Beis, 105, side 2. The Gemara tells us, the Derech of the Yetzahara, the path which the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, leads a person, Today he tells him, do this. Tomorrow something else. Until he tells him, go serve Avedezara. The Friedrich Rebbe explains in Tzafresh Peites in the Maimah, the Yitzhahara does not come to somebody and tell him, go against God's words. Tzachasosholim sin. Because who in their right mind, when they're in their right mind, would listen to such a thing? Knowing that it's a coming from a Yetzirah, first of all. And secondly, and more importantly, nobody wants to disconnect themselves, from the Yetzirah. So the Yetzirah cannot come along the first time to somebody that's doing everything the way they should, acting the way they should, behaving the way they should, learning the way they should, davening the way they should, and tell them, you know what, stop it. Stop it right now. Separate yourself from God. Stop serving Hashem. It wouldn't work. Even to the smallest child, it wouldn't work. What does the Yitzhahara do? The Yitzhahara comes along and says, Asei Kach. Do this. I say, he's not telling you stop doing, he's telling you do. Do exactly what you're doing. Act the way you're acting. Live the way you're living. One slight deviation, says the Yitzhara. One slight change, one slight difference from what you're doing and the way you're doing it to the way I recommend that you do it. And that is, don't do all these mitzvahs, davening, etc., with full intent and connection to God. I'm also telling you to do it. I also understand you should do this. You should act this way. I also understand that you should serve, you should not steal, you should not kill. All the things in the Ten Commandments. I understand also you have to respect your mother and father. Common sense dictates this is the action and behavior of a person. 
So based on common sense, I understand that's how you have to behave. But, but, don't do it because you're doing it for God. Do it because common sense dictates that. I'm also telling you to do it. I'm telling you to act that way. I'm telling you to be moral and to be kind and to be forgiving. But don't only do it because of the sake of Hashem. Go out and do it because you enjoy it. Because common sense dictates as such. At that point, when the Yitzhahara gets into the person's mind, it is kishkis. Even though the person is continuing to live a mitzvah, entire mitzvah life, but since he's doing it not because of God, he's doing it because the Yitzhahara told him to, the person, Rahman al-Islam, is severing, is disconnecting himself from God. And this makes it easier for the Yitzhahara to continue to pound away and to bring him deeper and deeper. This is why we understand, according to this, when a person goes to courts, the non-Jewish court, the secular court, and they say a din, they say something, what Taylor would tell, <coughs> you may not bring this judgment before them. They are not doing this, they are not saying this from Taylor, they are not saying this from Hashem, they are saying this from their own. This is an extremely, extremely important life lesson. The concept of Das Teda. I've told this story before. Of a couple that was only blessed with girls. And they wanted very, very much a boy. And they called me with a Shaila. It's not relevant. And there's obviously a Shaila in Hilkas Nashim that has to do with the wife. And they figured I would give them a leniency, I would give them a way out of what they needed to have to do. But Taylor did not dictate as such. According to Din Tera, Psak Din of Tera, it could not be done. The loophole was perhaps there slightly, but not if you really mean to do mitzvahs, you really want to do it right, this loophole did not work. I said, my friend, you know what, I'll tell you what, I feel for you. I see and understand that you have an issue here. And you need to dance around it. Perhaps I'm not the right person. Perhaps you should go out, call someone else, although it's not halakhically acceptable. I will bend my own ear and say, okay, I never heard it. I will say, okay, I forgive you. You never came to me. I give you permission and right to go elsewhere. 
I'm allowed to do that. It's my honor at stake, and I'm allowed to give my honor up. The fellow said no. He was adamant, and he said, I'm sorry. All my sakim, I always ask you my shaylas. I'm coming to you with a shayla. I want to hear the answer from you. I'm not answering, asking anyone else. If this is what you say has to happen, this is how it's going to be. Obviously, I will tell you that it's a tremendous responsibility that one takes upon themselves when they give a psak din. A psak halacha could sometimes affect not just a person and not just a family, but it can affect generations to come. And yes, I do so with great trepidation and fear each time I'm asked the shayla. I shiver when I have to answer. But so is given my lot, as we say. And so I cannot renege on what I'm for my responsibility. P.S. Not to my knowledge, about ten months later, this fellow calls me, and I have totally forgotten about this, Shaila. <coughs> calls me and invites me, or calls me and, and notifies me, not allowed to invite, to the bris of his son. I was very happy, this fellow was making a bris. I actually went to attend the bris. And as soon as I walked in, he pulled me on the side, and he told me, they were waiting for years to make the, to have a boy, to make a veil, to make a bris, to be zecha. And because that night, that time that I gave them that psak, that's why they were blessed now with a boy. Now, it's not my horn that I'm tooting. I'm telling you clearly, this is called Das Tera. A person must live according to the dictum of Tera. A person must live on a daily basis on what and how Tera tells us to do. And when we do so, everything works out and comes out to the best. Because we know that we're doing this because this is how Tera wants it to happen. This would therefore be, since this being the opening Pasuk of the Pasha, a lifelong, one of the lifelong lessons of the Pasha, of a person needing to set their goals, to clear their parameters, and to see to it that their entire life is constantly devoted, is constantly dedicated to Das Teda. Now, oftentimes, it's humbling. It's humbling because we have to go to a Rav, we have to discuss something with them that might be slightly uncomfortable, that might be slightly understand. And this is something that's never told enough times to anyone. Understand that the Rav that gives Pseskidinim, a Rav that Paskin Shailas, is not listening to your shaila in an embarrassing and a belittling form or fashion, but rather as a word of Teda, and your question is a question of Teda, and his answer is an answer of Teda. And therefore, a Rav, a Yiddish Shemayim, that gives you a Psak Din, is giving you a Psak Din, which is because this is how Hashem wanted him to say it. And oftentimes we find that happen as well. And this we learn in this week's Pasha as well. The people that leave Bezdin. Easy, easy, easy.
please don't touch it. Please don't do that. $3,000. No, please leave it. Just leave it, please. Yeah, but can we put it on the side now? It's in her face. I ask you, please don't. Please, I beg you. Someone take me to. The yard site of Rebbe Tzinchai and Mushkin. On Chav Be'ishvat, on the day that a person passes away, is the day that we understand and start to see what the person's life was all about. Ironically, Ironically, a birthday after a person passes away has more potency than a birthday before. For when a person is born and the person embarks on life, the person starts life, starts living, we don't know what the person will amount to. We don't know what the person will achieve. We don't know what the person will accomplish. Only after the person passes away do we have a full picture of the person's actual attributes, of the person's successes in life. Unfortunately, sometimes we tend to focus on negative rather than positive. We tend to focus on things that are not the most beautiful things in the person's life, but rather the shortcomings of the person. We all know this famous story of the Badichava, where he stood up in the middle of a in the middle of a tish and he took a sledgehammer or a big hammer and he went to the cemetery and he destroyed a tombstone he destroyed a matzeva and when he was asked afterwards what was that all about he said this neshama is having a very hard time the deceased is above now, his soul is upstairs, in Bezna Shamayla, and he's being judged. So the first thing they're judging him for is his matzeva. They go to the tombstone, and they start to read. Ish, yashar vitamim, bal and this and that all the great attributes this person had. Unfortunately, he didn't live up to this. He didn't live that type of life. He was not so spectacular. And therefore, Bezden Shalmaila is now inquiring 
where is all this? Now there's no way that this Neshama Lamaila can now put this together. <laughs> Today's day and age, modern technology, have a, got a picture this week. I tired. There's a net for that. Everything is I something. I tired has a nap. Okay, anyway. A nap, not a nap. Okay, good. Today's day and age, a person needs to do their taxes, for example. And they earned a lot of money. They can go the last minute, they can give tzedakah. And they get a receipt for the tzedakah, they give a receipt for the charity, and they come and they claim the charity on their taxes, and therefore, okay, we take off so and so much for the charity, and you're safe, you're good to go. All these things can be tweaked. All these things have different ways to fix them. As long as we're here on the physical world, we can always do something. There's adjustment, adjustments, there's photoshopping, there's a myriad of different ways to act that one can do and can behave to change things. Achamei of Esim, after 120 years, when the person comes to Bezen Shamayla, How great is it for the person that comes here, the announcement is, with his Talmud in his hand, with all that he learned, all that he amassed, all the Torah and the mitzvahs, that a person accomplished throughout his life, they present, they bring with them to Bezen Shamayla. If they don't have any, they can't go back and get it. Once the Nishama is not in a goof, the Nishama no longer has the capacity and capability of doing mitzvahs and learning Torah. They can no longer collect and put together the riches of Torah mitzvahs. And therefore, this soul, said the Badichava, is in trouble. They're taking him to task for all the things it says in his Matseva, and none of this he's done. So the only solution that there was really was to destroy his whole tombstone, so that Bez and Shemayla could no longer look at the text to see what he is being held culpable for. <coughs> And therefore, the Neshama is able to continue on in its journey. In Neshama, therefore, we see and we can do, we take stock, and we take inventory of what the person has accomplished throughout their life. had two things going for her, shall we say. Firstly, she was the daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe. And secondly, for over 60 years, the wife of the Rebbe. Pedigree. Yichus. Some people live on their Yichus. Some people should live on their yichas. 
And some people don't care about their yichus. Again, a story of the Badichva is similar. There was a fire in the Badichva's house. And his mother was standing and bawling and crying. And he said, what's the matter, mother? And he, she said, all the shtar that we had, all the paperwork showing all our ancestries has been burnt. And, and now, what do we have? We don't have any more. Our generations are no longer represented. Ezra. The Badichava said, I'll start a new chain. New chain will start for me. From me on, the generations will say, Oh, he is our Zayda. He is who we come from. And lo and behold, Badichva lived up to that and gave his mother that nachas and appeased his mother with those words. So therefore, being the daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe, the granddaughter of the Rebbe Rashab, etc., she had a tremendous, tremendous yichus. I've told before, before we lived here, we lived on Kingston Avenue. And our apartment on Kingston Avenue looked directly down on the Simchas Beis HaSheva. All the dancing throughout the whole week of Sukkot was right outside our window, literally, physically. So we didn't sleep much that whole week because the music was blaring outside our window. But we also didn't sleep because our sukkah became very vibrant. The sukkah was outside our apartment, outside our window, between our apartment and the next door. It wasn't very big. It was probably smaller than this room. But a lot of people fit in there. And this went on all night long. And it got to a point where literally the cake was coming out of the oven, going into the sukkah. People were just... It's amazing. And somebody that was there went to visit the Rebetzin the next day. Rebetzin Chaim Mushka asked him, asked him what's going on by the dancing. She said, it's Freilich, it's Lebedic, they dance all night. He said, and there's one family, the Hechts, their sukkah is just incredible. The Achnas HaSarachim that's going on in that sukkah Someone made a joke that we could probably, at the end of the sukkahs, we probably had to take all the empty bottles, mashke and soda and everything, we could have made a line from our house straight to 770. It was a tremendous task. The Rebetzin was so enthralled at what she heard, she had a blueberry pie in the house, she put it in a box, and she told him, the guy that was in the house, please take this to them, I want to partake in their sukkah. I want to partake in their achnas sukkah. So we merited to this pie from the from the Rebbetzin. Unfortunately, not. It didn't really make it too long in the sukkah itself either. Um, and there are many famous stories of the Rebbetzin. Famous story of the Rebbetzin going for a ride. 
and seeing a family on the road outside a house to the sheriffs and police and she asked the driver stop to go back and ask what's going on and the driver came back and said that they're being evicted from their home family but they didn't pay money they didn't pay the rent or whatever they're being evicted the Rebson sent back the driver to find out how much they need and the Rebson wrote a check the entire amount to get them back into the house the Rebson was a very, very secretive woman the Fierach. Many people that did come, hmm? but when someone, there was a family come, came to visit, the family came to visit the Rebbe's, the Rebbe'son, there were some families that had an inn, they were able to go visit her, and one of the children was looking around and said, there was no toys. Now the truth is, we cleaned up here, you don't see toys here either. But believe me, before we cleaned up, you know there's toys. And when my grandchildren come to Kanada, they'll tell you where every toy is. Because they use them all. <laughs> if I could use my Svarim like they use their toys, I'd be in good shape. They asked, where's all the toys? Where's your children? And the Rabbitson's famous answer is, my children are in 770. My children, as the Rebbe's children, says the Rabbitson, are the Chassidim. And the Rebetzin lived to that, and lived with that. The Rebetzin was the epitome of Avas Yisrael. She was totally through and through. There was nothing she wouldn't do to help another Jew, and she would painstakingly go through whatever she could that another Jew shouldn't be hurt, shouldn't suffer. But we don't know these things per se, because... The Rebetzin was very quiet at home. She went to the library. She was a librarian. She was brilliant. Those of you who read the talks and tales, she was very instrumental in the talks and tales. Nature's Wonderland is a section in each talks and tales. She was the composer. She wrote. I have here, I don't know how many volumes of talks and tales, the whole set. But there's... How many volumes? The whole set. Is, what do we, uh, I can't count. Probably 15, 15 books at least. And each book has every week, every month there was another publication. So it's a monthly publications, pamphlets of every month, and I think each book holds two or three years. So it was quite an amount of years that the Rebetzin was very involved. She was very independent. She liked to drive herself. She didn't like to be driven to later years. She had no choice. Because she found out that her brown Cadillac was not a uh, bumping car. Um, when the problem came about of the Swaram that was stolen, the Rebetzin revealed worldwide, she testified that the Rebbe and the Svarim belong to the Chassidim. This was a very, very selfless act. A selfless statement. Thank you. And a selfless way of living. And this is how the Rebbe epitomized her life. And the Rebbe explained during her Shiva, 
the concept of a hachai yitin alibay. Is very, very difficult. We take to heart very strongly. is a catastrophe, a person passes away, leaves a family behind, young person. All these different things that people take so hardly and they feel and they all suffer with the pain and they call out on Mosai. The Rebbe says, that's not your job. Yes, every tear shed for an ifter helps the purification of the soul. But ours is not to mourn, ours is not to cry, ours is not to sit complacently and to try to feel sorry for something or someone. Ours is v'achai yitin Our mission is that a person needs to give themselves over to understand, as we understand a lesson from everything we learn and hear and see, one needs to say, what do I need to take to heart to epitomize this person's life? To revitalize. Mazari Bechaim Afu Bechaim. As his children are alive, so the person always lives. How does one continue the legacy of a person by living their daily life? And since the daily life of the Rebetzin was a, the epitome of Avas Yisrael, and of course, as we know, her best teacher was her husband. We told the, many times the famous story of the delivery boy that came once to the house, the Rebbe's house, and the Rebbe was home. He never had that experience before. He delivered, the Rebbe was home. The Rebbe always gave a tip. I know because my Chavrusa used to deliver sometimes to the Rebbe's house for his father his father had a business and uh, he would go deliver and sometimes he would come to yeshiva holding the dollar bill I just got this from the Rebetzin and his delivery boy came and the Rebbe was in the house and the Rebbe asked him in he was so uncomfortable he didn't know where to hide and the Rebbe said, would you like a drink? No, please. It's hot outside. Please. The Rebbe said, you must drink. So he agreed. The Rebbe said, would you like a hot drink or a cold drink? Doesn't matter. Anything is fine. The Rebbe said, people prefer hot, some people prefer cold. Which would you rather? Okay. A hot drink. I said, do you want a cup with a handle or a cup with... <sighs> this fellow's already never shaking. The Rebbe apparently already put up the water. And he mentioned, with a handle, the Rebbe climbed up on a stool 
to take down this teacup from the top. The fellow was in tears practically. I, I, I didn't want to trouble me, Matriach, the Rebbe, so, so much just for. The Rebbe smiled and says, How often do you think I get to do the mitzvah of Achnaz Asarachim, of welcoming guests? If I get it already once, let me do it right. So obviously the Rebbetson had the same attitude. And there are many, many people that would tell stories of being in the Rebbetson's house and how the Rebbetson treated them, how the Rebbetson acted to them. Actually, I believe the, uh, one of the videos circulating this week was the aid that helped the Rebbetson, that took care of the Rebbetson. Came for a dollar. <coughs> she came for a dollar by the Rebbe and told the Rebbe how much she misses the Rebbetson. I believe, I won't, I, there's so many things going around, so I don't remember what went where. I believe the Rebbe said he did this too. And uh, she had praised the Rebbetson, she said how great the Rebbetson was. The Rebbe said, Yes, I know. So the lesson that we need to take to heart, the lesson that we need to learn, to keep the legacy of the Rebetzin alive, as we are the children of the Rebetzin. And as it comes to Chav Beishvat, we see how she, the summation of her life and how it went, how important it is for us to keep on, at the very least, the Avas Yisrael of the Rebetzin. A fellow was talking to the, Rebbe, to the Rebetzin once in 770. And the Rebetzin was looking out the window and the Bakram had very long hair. A few Bakram walked by with very long hair. And she asked the Bakram, what's, what's this supposed to be? In those days, the hippies had long hair. So what is this? The Bakr said the Rebbe didn't take a haircut. So the Bakr don't take a haircut. She says, that's what they're going to follow from my husband? Halavai, they should smile to another Jew like my husband smiles to another Jew. Don't just to take after the Rebbe with a haircut. Let them smile at another Jew the same way he does. This is what the Rebbetson lived with. This is the dictum that the Rebbetson followed. Pasha Shkolem tells us of the mitzvah of Machtas HaShekel. The wealthy cannot add more than half a shekel and the poor cannot have less than half a shekel. Everyone needed to donate for the service of the Beis HaMikdash. Mishkan. Why then a half a shekel? A half a shekel reminds us that we are only a half. In order for a person to be a whole, two halves make a whole. And since each Jew represents a half, one needs to come on to the second Jew to be able to complete and to make it into a whole. And that is therefore... The lesson as well of Machtsa Shekel, 
the epitome of Avas Yisrael, how a Jew needs to live and needs to help another Jew live, needs to survive, needs to continue, and needs to. Own, and the only way one can do that is when they see to it and they know that a fellow Jew does the same. Mishenichnas other marbim besimcha. When other enters, we add enjoy. And the Rebbe was very, very, very adamant that we see the joy. And therefore, every night in 770, the month of other, there's dancing, there's live music and dancing. I don't know if there's a sheer as to how much you're supposed to dance. Three circles around, two hours around, whatever it might be. I'm sure that it's important that it should be with the shturim. It should be important that the feet should dance. The Rebbe showed Rav Avram Dave Oliver Shalom Hecht. When the Rebbe was walking out of 770 once on the Oh no, I'm sorry, it was not. It was Mukhzbein Sheva. The Rebbe pointed to his feet. The Rebbe waved in his hand. Get your feet off the ground. Dance with your feet up in the air. As is the same brought down in Basilegani, correct? And this is therefore the simcha that the Rebbe asked us, pulled from us, requires from us, that Chedish other bring forth. And needless to say, dancing by yourself in your Chadri Chadarim doesn't make anybody happy. Yes, obviously there are those people that get very happy singing in a shower. But that's not the happiness and the joy that we're referring to. When we refer to true joy, simcha, dancing, needs to be with fellow chassidim or chassidistas. Men with men and women with women. And the dancing needs to be arm in arm and around and around. The circle goes as all the articulate poets and artisans will tell and describe of a proper dance, of a proper Hasidic dance the merriment, the happiness, the joy so therefore the only way that a person can actually be besimcha is when they're with another fellow Jew so once again, as in similar to Bashash Kolim, where Matzah Shekel needs to be completed with another half, is similar the same way here with the simcha the way that a person can be besimcha, truly besimcha, and simcha painted together, simcha breaks through everything, and as we say every day, ifdu as Hashem besimcha, a person needs to serve God besimcha. It's a tremendous vessel. And as we learned in the last day or two of Tanya, the opposite, Rahman al is the worst extreme. The opposite of simcha, depression, is even the vidasara. When a person has something, whether it be good, whether it not, kishem shemevarchem alatev, mevarchem alaratz, the gemara, the mesech des Just as a person 
makes a blessing when something good happens to them. A person needs to make a blessing if the opposite. Because if it's coming from God, whether you want to say Gamzul Teva, whether you want to say Kol Dovid Rachmana, Letav Ovid, no matter how your attitude is, what your attitude is to Hashem, but the bottom line is that we know it's coming from Hashem and therefore it is good and it is truly good and therefore we are always besimcha. As we mentioned before that this is the Eila Mishpatim Ashatasim Lifneim this is also how the person puts before them the concept of the Das Teira and Das Teira being that a person needs to honor, needs to respect, needs to be full-hearted when it comes to helping and doing for a fellow Jew. And also when it comes to forgiving a fellow Jew. The concept of Mechila Kapara also needs to go in that same way. Amongst the many mitzvahs, Pasha Mishpatim, I'd like to tell a story, very famous story, obviously. The story of the Baal Shem Tov. The Pasik tells us in this week's Pasha, one needs to be meticulously careful how one treats widows and orphans. One should not insult, one should not hurt, one should not. make them feel bad. The Baal Shem Tov often time would known, was known on what's a Shabbos or some given night, random night, to choose a handful of chosen chassidim and to mount the carriage and the goy, his famous goy would get on the front, would give a shmeis the fed, and the horses would set into motion. It's cold. The horses would go into motion and they would go to their destination. Not the wagon driver, not the people inside. Only the horses had the GPS or ways or whatever they were using. And they knew where they had to go. These horses, unfortunately, in this trip were wandering aimlessly. And come what may, it was a day, it was a two, it was three days. Tuesday had come already. They were still traveling. And not only was the Bashemtiv not at ease, Bashemtiv felt as if he had totally lost his Ruach Kedish. He felt nothing, he felt like a mundane human being. The Chassidim traveling with him saw this on him as well. There was nothing they could do, obviously. They traveled another day or two and then finally Erev Shabbos arrives and they realize they have to stay somewhere for Shabbos quickly. And as they were in the middle of a forest, they found, they saw in the distance a home. A shack. And they come to the shack and they knock on the door. And this bulvan of a person looking disheveled, torn clothing, barefoot, 
What do you want? Chizim said, we'd like to stay by you for Shabbos. Would you have us, please? Shabbos? You crazy? I'm not having you in my house, Shabbos. You guys, from your chizim, you, you dust. No way, you're not coming to your Shabbos. He said, okay, can you tell us, please, the direction where the nearest town is? The nearest town, he says, ha! The nearest town from here is as far as the town you came from. You're better off going back home than going to the nearest town here. They knew that was impossible. So they begged and they pleaded. They offered him an exorbitant amount of money. And he said, okay, i got a few conditions though before we do this. I have customers, Goyim, that come in during tonight, tomorrow. I can't have them disturbed by your shenanigans. I don't want them scared off by your screamings and your yellings and your rants and your prayers. You're down quiet. And you're down, what are you doing? Do not touch it. Daven quiet, and we got to daven quick. Understand, I have a very big appetite, I get very hungry, I have no, I don't want to have to wait a minute. You'll daven, you'll daven quick. You'll eat whatever I give you. Fine, granted, but just Shabbos, let us be here. Then they asked, is there a river around here we can go to the mikveh before Shabbos? He started screaming at them. Are you crazy? I'm not letting you out of here. You're here now. You're staying here. You're going to go run off on me. You're going to steal my field. He's like, no waters, no mikvahs, no nothing. Chassidim felt like shmatis. But the Bashem to even worse. Came Friday night. Soon as Shabbos came in, the Bovan started to daven. Or to look like he was davening. He was rambling words. He was, there was nothing stopping him. It was a runaway train. Chassidim knew they had no choice. They had to keep up with him. So they kept up and they davened as fast as they could. Before they, the fast they was going, before they could even do anything, he was standing by the table ready. They quickly finished up. They went to the sing Shalom Aleichem. He says, don't start singing here. I told you, I don't want to hear any singing. I don't want to hear any of this. So they quickly mumbled Shalom Aleichem, whatever else they were going to say before Kiddush. And the guy comes to the table, a bottle of vodka, and his big cup. And he says, all right, I'm making the Kiddush here. And you'll all drink from my Kiddush. Please let us make our own kiddush at least. Even if it's on vodka, please. Excuse me? The rules here. We'll pay you extra. Nothing doing. And he made kiddush. They were understood already. This puyer over here is going to make kiddush. What it's going to sound like. And he made it. He rambled off a kiddush. Which sent shivers down their backs. And he 
gulped down almost the whole cup and everybody had barely a drop of the vodka from the Kiddush. And they all went to wash and he took out this coarse loaf of bread. And he said, nobody touch it. Don't put your grubby hands on this. I'll make the say. You take your own. I'll give you pieces. Kachava and he tore off pieces and he gave everybody a coarse piece of bread then he brought the meal the feast a big bowl of lentil soup he gave everybody a spoon said okay Rabbi I dig in we're all eating out of the same bowl <coughs> needless to say lack of spirituality lack of Etiquette didn't help much for these chassidim, and the Vashem Tov was totally depraved of his kedusha for suffering throughout Shabbos. They figured though they don't need that much sleep; they'll get up early, early morning before he does. The Beit like mentioned. Lo and behold, as early as they got up, he was up before them. And not only that, he was already halfway through davening by the time they got up there. So once again, they needed to start davening and running and killing themselves to daven. And once again, another meal of the same type, same sort, the same food. And again, Hashem and his Tamidim were made to feel like and following the same by Sudashlishas, Shalashudas was the same thing. Finally, they merited Malavim Malkus to this David Malka Mashiach, but they couldn't leave after the meager Malavim Malka because it was dark. They figured early morning they'll daven and they'll run. Help the Rebish there. They pack up their stuff quickly and they're getting up to re- leave. And all of a sudden, he comes running. Where are you going? What's going on? Are you thieves? You just walk out on me like this? I made breakfast. First join me for breakfast. Then we'll talk. And they said, please, we'll pay you for the breakfast. We don't want it. We don't need it. Just let us out of here. What do you think? I'm a ganif? I'm going to take your money and not give you food? doesn't work. Sit down. You can join me. And he kept them another day, and a second and a third day. On Tuesday, they were depleted from any money. They were totally wiped out. They were totally debilitated. And they wanted to leave. And suddenly, a woman... A, a majestic dressed woman, beautiful, with with class and taste, walks into the house and walks over to the Bashemtim and says, Rebbe, please don't leave. Please stay here with me for Shabbos. Hashem said, how did you know I was a Rebbe? And, and, and what do you want from us? 
And she says, Rebbe, don't you remember me? And the Bashanta says, I, I don't remember you. I have no idea. Let me refresh your memory, she says. When I was a little girl, I was a Yusema. I was an orphan. And I needed to be put somewhere. So for my room and board in your house, I would do little tasks, little chores around the house. Whatever I was able and capable of doing. Unfortunately, we were in Europe. And in Europe in those days, it wasn't uncommon for a girl to suddenly get plagued with lice. And here I was. I had lice in my hair. I needed to have it removed. So your wife, the Rebetzin, painstakingly stood there on Erev Shabbos trying to help me to clean my lice out. But it hurt. It hurt very bad. And I cried out and jumped away from her. And she got upset and she slapped me across the face. And you just sat there and said nothing. Because you sat there and said nothing, and I being a small orphan, there was a a decree in heaven that you lose your Elam Haba. You lose a portion in the world to come. Well, Rabbi, I grew up and I married my husband, the Tzaddik Nister, a hidden Tzaddik. And he saw Lamaila, this Gzeda, this decree against you. And I desperately wanted this abolished. I didn't want this to happen to you, and especially not because of me. And they said the only way this can happen is if someone is going to destroy, disrupt the Bashem of Shabbos. To take away a pleasureful Shabbos from him. If someone does that, then it's possible that he gets back his Elam Haba. And so, we asked and we tried to get people to do it and nobody wanted to do that to you. Until my husband himself agreed to do this so that your Elam Haba be returned to you. And that, Rebbe, is why this happened to you over this past Shabbos so that your Elam Haba should be returned to you. And so this is a life lesson how we must treat a fellow Jew especially a Yasuma, a Yasema, Almona, Kmanulitzlan. And the main thing is the Avis Yisrael that we need to epitomize. And by having this Avis Yisrael and living this way of Avis Yisrael, we will be Zecher to this Kalus of Melech HaMashiach this very Shabbos. And we'll go this Shabbos Kolim. And we'll go this Chedish Shabbos of Archim Adr. We will go besimcha betuv levov to Yerushalayim in Akedesh. Shabbat shalom to all.